Okay, so here they see right out in the gospel that they were trying to entrap Jesus. But what's going on? And um, I've always said to you that I, my favorite time of my life was when my, I was in seminary. And I remember my scripture classes at Holy Apostles and Dominican House. And we talked about this passage in depth because it's a commonly known passage. But what's happening here is if Jesus said to pay the tax, why, yeah, why are they trying to trap him? Okay. If Jesus said to pay the tax, he would lose all popularity. Then, if he said not to pay it, he would be arrested by the Roman authorities. So obviously, this is a trap. Now, what's going on? When a king had his image, okay, put on something, it was, in a way, his personal property, his seal or his image. If his image was put on something, like the gate of the, of the palace, that, that, that meant in a way it belongs to him. It's his personal property. So the coin had what? The coin had Caesar's image on it and therefore belonged to Caesar. Now, what I learned in seminary is interesting because basically what we were talking about was that no man, and I dug up my notes, no man can accept the benefits which the state offers, but not accept the responsibility of what comes with it. It's the same today. You cannot live in the United States and take advantage of our public transportation system, our services, our charities, and not give back to it. That's the point of taxes. Now, Rome brought to the ancient world, everybody talks about pagan Rome, pagan Rome. But yeah, Rome brought to the ancient world a sense of security that the world had never seen before. They made good roads. They built the first aqueducts, which saved lives. They kept peace, and they made society work better. That's where we hear the term Pax Romana. What is Pax Romana? It means harmony within the, all the different cultures that were within the Roman Empire, all the different kind of territories that were within the Roman Empire lived in harmony, Pax Romana. Now, if the state is within its boundaries, so if you're living within that Roman uh, territory, the individual had to give his loyalty and his service. Jesus is supporting this. He's supporting this. And so basically, what is Jesus saying? You are recognizing Caesar's civil authority when you use his services, the protection of the army, or whatever it might be, the water that the aqueduct brought in. So you recognize Caesar's civil authority when you use his services and his coins. You're using his coins. His image is on it. They're his. You're using it. Therefore, you are obliged to pay him the tax he asks for. Now, however, whose image is on you? Whose image is stamped on your soul if you're baptized? God. Man has God's image stamped on your soul. That is baptism. And so man has God's image on him. God created man in his own image. So God's image is stamped on us. Man belongs to God. 
So St. Jerome said it best, and I, I wrote this down 17 years ago. You must give Caesar the coin which bears his likeness, but give your whole being to God because you bear his likeness. Because it is his likeness, not Caesar's, that you bear. So interesting. So we rightfully belong, not to ourselves, but to God who created us and redeemed us. You know, the word Jesus means Savior. That's the meaning of the word Jesus, Savior. And so this is why suicide is a sin, even though we don't know it's mortal. There, there, there has to be free will. Suicide is a sin and why we cannot sell your soul to the devil. People always talk about the Satanists. They sold their souls to the devil. You can't sell your soul to the devil. You don't own it. God does. Now you can serve him, but you can't sell your soul to him. You don't own it. Now, ultimately, I belong to God and it is my responsibility to live the gospel in my life. You too. When Jesus later was crucified, this is very interesting. Listen to what Augustine says. When Jesus was later crucified, he was, in a sense, rendering onto Caesar what was Caesar's. Why? Because the body, he basically was rendering onto Caesar the body that belonged to Caesar's realm the earth, the human body the earth, but he devoted his soul to God. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar, give unto God what is God. Christ actually gave his body to Caesar by submitting to the crucifixion of the Romans, but he gave his soul to God the Father. So Augustine, St. Augustine suggested in his confessions this, quote, he himself, the only begotten, was created to be wisdom and justice and holiness for us, and he was counsel among us, but he paid the reckoning to Caesar. He paid the reckoning to Caesar. I had never heard that before. Christ was actually giving his body, his soul to God the Father, but his body to the earthly realm. And that was Caesar and the crucifixion of the Romans. But in the end, ultimately, it all belongs to God. We talked about the state belonging to Caesar. We talked about you belonging to God. But ultimately, it all belongs to God. You know, it's funny because people could say, well, does that mean that I can't own anything? Well, no. You know, in England, I, I just was in London. And I spoke at the Westminster Cathedral. And it was packed. It was so good to see England not completely lost yet. And so 250 people couldn't even get into the talk. And so here we are in England, London, at the Westminster Cathedral. And I brought up, who is England? And they all said, God's dowry. No, yes, ultimately. But the gift of England in 1381 by Richard II was England is Mary's dowry. What is dowry? It's a gift. 
Now, ultimately, we're saying, oh, yeah, that's Mary's gift. But ultimately, what is it? God's gift. Ultimately. Because it, it's, Mary's purpose is to bring us to God. It's kind of like if you ever said, hey, you know what? I heard you're going to see so-and-so. Could you del- give this to him? This is what you're doing. This is England. England belongs to God by being a dowry, a gift to Mary. France. France belongs to God. Well, only 4% are going to Mass, but they still belong to God as the first daughter of the church. we got to pray for France. What about Ireland? The first nation in the world that publicly voted in by the people abortion and gay marriage. And I believe they're a chosen people, a suffering servant. The suffering that I saw in Ireland is like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. I told the story back in February when I was in Ireland, and a man said to me, at the table, it was packed, everybody was coming up, I was trying to sign books and bless items, and, and every story that came up was a tragedy. I, I, I told the story of this man who came up, and well, first it was a woman, the very first person, the woman, and she said, Father, I've lost my husband to suicide. Six weeks later, my oldest son took his life. And two months after that, my only other son took his life. What do you say to a woman like that? And then there was the man who came to me and said, Father, my young son took his life, and the only thing we have left was his girlfriend. She was part of our family. She was everything to us. And when we, saw, we look at her, we see our son. They were engaged to be married. And he took his life. And the daughter, the daughter, or excuse me, the girlfriend kept saying on his birthday, I'm going to go see him. So they thought that that meant he was, she was going to go to the cemetery. Well, when his birthday came, she took her life. What she meant, I'm going to see him, was suicide. Never the answer. And then there was the most precious story you've heard me say it, where this huge, great crowd was in front, there was 10,000 people at this Irish conference in February, and all of a sudden, in the middle of this huge crowd, two arms burst through the crowd, holding this little precious baby boy. And he's got these little oxygen tubes, and, and he's so peaceful, and, and, and it was the grandma who handed him in, and she said, Father, please bless this little boy. This is Kai. His mother died giving him childbirth. His father abandoned him before he was born. So he's an orphan. Then he had a twin brother, and the twin little brother died when he was six, years, uh, six weeks old. He was not even a year old when I was holding him. And then she said he's got a, a rare disease, a blood disease, and his lungs are not properly developed. And I'm looking at this little precious baby boy. This is in February. And, and, and I stopped everything. I, I stopped signing books. I stopped blessing. I just, I, I never had experienced anything like that. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm in Ireland. And I went to Clonford. And I'm telling this story. And this is way far from Dublin. The talk in Dublin in February, or, or the talk in February was in Dublin. And it's very far from there. And all of a sudden, I'm telling that story, and somebody yells from the crowd, Father, that little boy is here. He is here. And I said, what? And I ran down from the podium. <laughs> I was at the podium, and he was in the back. His, his grandma brought him all the way from Dublin to see me. 
And that's what gives me hope. That we all belong to God. Even the country like Ireland, it has fallen away. Even like England, who's the dowry of Mary. Mary brings you to Jesus. This is so powerful. You know, Ireland will come back to God, I truly believe. And so the problem is people are afraid. They told me the Irish priests are afraid, afraid to speak up because of the state. Because I asked, what's happening in Ireland? Why are the people falling away? I asked it about France when I was there. I asked it about England when I was there. And they all told me the same thing. The priests are afraid. And Father Chris, this is why we follow the Marians. You still speak the truth. I said, well, we don't know when we're going to get canceled too. But I can say I'm not afraid. And I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep speaking the truth. The poor priests in Ireland are petrified. They're petrified of the state because of what might happen to them. You know that story about the Irish man? It was just on YouTube about a year ago. And everybody in the church got up and walked out. And he got reprimanded and disciplined by his bishop for telling the truth about marriage. And so if there is any conflict between the state and God, loyalty has to be to God first. Even though we are obligated to the state for our taxes and whatnot, if the two conflict, if there's any conflict between the state and God, loyalty has to be to God first. In this way, Christianity should make one a better citizen than any other man because you're submitting to the highest authority. What about our Declaration of Independence? Here in the United States, we were founded in our Declaration of Independence. It is clear that all legitimate civil authority comes from God, even that possessed by the state. The state, the government receives its authority from God. This is why communism wants to destroy the church. To them, the state alone is God. The state alone. But a Christian sees their duty not just to the state, but to the state as being part of their duty to God. I am obedient to the state. But when the state is telling us, Marians, that we must offer contraception, no, we won't. When they're going to tell us that we have to close our doors, no, we won't. We won't. And so, yeah, I can see why priests are afraid, but you got to trust God at this point. So if the law of the state is against God's laws, then duty to God, as they said, must come first. Abortion, you have to offer abortion. No, we won't. You have to acknowledge redefined marriage and marriage being redefined. No, we won't. You have to accept... Uh, religious liberty being stripped so you can't speak up for the truth. I flew into Canada. They wanted a copy of my talk because I had my collar on as a priest and they wanted a copy of my talk because they told me if I say anything against homosexuality, it is a hate crime. That was not the purpose of why I was there. I was there to talk about divine mercy. Peter told the Jewish leaders, we must obey God rather than men. And that's what people use against the church. No, the church is not man. The church is God, conducted out by the men he chose and women in, in certain roles 
but the men he chose to lead it. Sometimes stupid and mistakes, but nonetheless, when people say, I don't follow the church because I don't follow man, I follow God, following the church is following God. Jesus' answer tells us that Caesar has authority, but not all authority, not the highest authority. There are some things that should be rendered to God alone, such as your moral actions that we just talked about. So to finish, when the state asks something of us that belongs to God alone, as we said, we follow God. Some scholars explain this as Jesus' version of separation of church and state. This is where Jesus said, church and the state must be separated. Actually, it's not. Separation is not in the Constitution of the United States. In fact, what Jefferson meant by separating church and state was to protect the church from the state, not the state from the church. So Jesus is reminding us that we ultimately belong to God and the state does not interfere. That's the foundation of America. So what do we owe to God and what's our obligation to each other? Paul the Apostle tells us that we must give each what is their due. You give God your worship, you give the state your taxes. That is what each is due. And communism will have us say that the state alone is God. That's why we can't accept it. You know, John Paul, today we celebrate his feast day. Him and Ronald Reagan brought down communism. Pray now for his intercession because it's starting to come back. So in summary, if you are so careful about all the laws of the state, like taxes or COVID, how much more careful should you be about the service of God and your obligations to God as creator and your Lord? A lot in that simple statement, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and render unto God what is God.
Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keeping It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.